0: Hello and welcome to episode 97 of the world's first Paul Weller fan podcast. I'm Dan Jennings and 10 years ago I gave up my live stream and career as a radio presenter with one big regret. Never getting to interview my hero, the legendary British musician Paul Weller. This podcast exists purely to solve that issue. Welcome to Desperately Seeking Paul. Now, as much as I love talking to the musicians, the singers, songwriters, producers, music industry promoters, managers, journalists, band members and others who have worked and collaborated with Paul Weller, this podcast was always intended to be a voice for the fans to share their memories of the jam, the Style Council and Paul Weller. And so many of you listening are great storytellers yourselves with great stories to tell, able to paint a picture on what the man and his music has meant to you over so many years. Now, this is another one of those very special episodes with another super fan, Shane Jusen. You may know Shane, you may not. He's a regular in the front row of Weller gigs, on the forums and at events. This is a really special episode. Let's get into it. Shane Juson. thanks for joining me.
1: Hello. How are you? I'm very well. How lovely to see you. And lovely to see you too, Dan.
0: Now, I have to say, at the time of recording, our friend Tufty is number one in the hit parade. His podcast is number one. So, <laughs> so no pressure, mate. No pressure. Nope.
1: No pressure. I've been called a number two before, so that's fine.
0: Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear, brilliant. Now let's kick off. You and I share this love, but your love goes back much further than mine, Mister Paul Weller. Um, I'm guessing. <laughs> oh, is that not is that not what you're here to talk
1: about? Oh, oh shit. I thought this was a job interview.
0: <laughs> <laughs> now your love kicks off with the jam, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I first heard Strange tang, but I was only. 12-year-old. So I, I, I had no money. We were a poor family, so I couldn't buy it. So my first single was When You're Young. I bought it as I was passing a record shop. I'd not heard it at the time. As I was passing the record shop, the single sleeve was in the window and I looked and I thought... Bloody hell, that's a good image with Paul Weller's turnips and a Paisley shirt and whatever. <laughs> so I bought it on that.
0: What connected with the music and with the band, with the three of those guys together with you um, as a young man?
1: It was just the sound they made, really, I think, from a three-piece. Like, I, I was a shorty, Waddy fan before that. <laughs> we, <laughs> that's a whole different podcast, my friend. <laughs> yeah, we can cut that bit, though, can't we, Shortly. <laughs> but as soon as I saw the jam, I loved it. And like I say, I saw the single cover. And I thought, that looks fantastic. So I went with that then, really. But I was uh, impressionable. I still had long hair at the time and stuff. So, uh, yeah, it changed my life, really, to be fair. I was so, going to
0: uh, ask him what way it changed because oh, you, completely, you, yeah. you, you went kind of full mod and everything. So this was 1979. How old were you then? <laughs> so, when
1: that- uh, I, uh, well, when, when Young came out, I was 13. So uh, Right. Just turned 13. I wasn't a mod straight away i just like the image and whatever and obviously 1979 is when it mods all kicked off again so i did get myself a parker initially i was full into it then i was wearing suits to school and polka dot shirts to school getting pulled up by the headmaster for having a union jack on the back of my parker (laughs) i loved it i loved it one day we were walking through the uh, i was walking through the playground at school because i was late for school because i'm not for anything. The headmaster's came over. He said, look, Shane, you know that parkers aren't allowed to be worn at school. Take it off, please. So I said, yeah, sure. So I started taking off my parker and I had a yellow, blue and white boating blazer on underneath. And he said, Shane, Put it back on and get back to class. laughing. Laugh I thought, fair play. <laughs> so you were quite an impressionable young man, by the sounds of this, right? Well, I'm color I'm color blind for a start, so it doesn't really help.
0: <laughs> My discovery of Weller, as you know, because you listen to the podcast, was the solo years. So this was like yeah, ni- ninety two with the song Aha, yeah, and then diving into yeah. this incredible back catalogue. So for me, I never got to really experience the kind of dusty days, as people have talked about them. This kind of era of music being a bit grey. And as a young kid, they're not really being something that connected with you. And then suddenly punk kind of changing things overnight and the jam for a lot of people changing things overnight. As a young man, there was this clearly this kind of this real connection with this band that suddenly means the world to you.
1: Yeah, I don't really remember a lot of music before that, apart from Trotty Body and and rubbish like that, really. Like, I can't even remember the Beatles when I was a kid. One of my first memories is Wandering Star by Lee Marvin, so that probably sets me up for the rest of my life. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the thing that's important to remember, obviously, is that you know, YouTube wasn't a thing, social media wasn't no, a thing. Right. No, 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 no. So, the only way to hear these songs is on the radio, and there's not a lot of yeah. radio stations either, really, at that time. no. no, you know, no. A few commercials but- and be you seeing that but and Top of the yeah. Pops and stuff but, they, but it's not like yeah. you're being fed information about the band continually it's buying the music press um, and seeing the oh TV no, and got, the radio yeah. right yeah
1: yeah you've got to find it well I was lucky one of my mates at school was a big jam fan as well and he got me into the jam he, he would borrow me all their albums and their singles and whatever and he'd even write out the lyrics for me so which was great but he had everything up to that point which was probably Setting in suns I'd have thought so I was listening to all those and recording them and whatever and then I was following them then from well from when you're young onwards it was just great just to discover and go back into their back catalogue and stuff like that it's never left me really it's fantastic I love it
0: and as a 13 year old kid did you were
1: yeah. you allowed to go and see the geese because they were pretty full on weren't they I was Going to see the jam at Malvern in February 1980. What had I have been then? I was just 13, really. And my mum wouldn't let me go. But three months later, I was old enough to go and I went to see the beat instead. <laughs> uh, like, my first gig was on my 15th birthday for the jam at Stafford. And that was unbelievable. Just the pure power of the band on the stage and stuff like that. It was absolutely fantastic. The thing that sticks out, two things that really stick out to me was, well, a few things. There are 10 things. There was ten things. not 10 things, <laughs> not anymore. Hang on, let me make the list. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll go with three because it'll be quicker for you. I remember all the scooters being parked outside, which was fantastic to see. Before the gig, I, I bought two little panda pops. Do you know the little plastic containers of pop? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I bought two of those, one of those for me and one for my girlfriend. And um, I had white jeans on at the time. So stupidly, my first big gig, obviously, I put the panda pops in my pockets. Now, as soon as the crowd surged, (laughs) these panda pops exploded and my jeans were like pink. And I was thinking, I've got nothing to drink. (laughs) And, And then the other thing that. Was Boy About Town when that came on? Because I love sound effects, it's my favorite album. When Boy About Town came on, Paul Weller and Bruce both did a jump where the horns kick in, but obviously it was pre horns in those days. And that just blew my mind. I thought, this is fantastic. How brave
0: were you? How close to the front did you get, or were you kind
1: of easy? <laughs> oh, no, I was quite, quite far away from the barrier. I was probably three, maybe four people back. <laughs> 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 no, I, which,
0: I, which now we're a bit older is impossible, right? You need something to lean on. I've got my heart problems, so I've got my back
1: problems and my knee problems, so I've got to lean against the barrier these days. I
0: know, same here, man, same here. Yeah. So, so you're right in amongst us, a 15 year old um, kid. My God, I, that yeah, must have been yeah. so
1: exciting. Um, the Bingley all was the best because I was actually at the front. Like I was in front of Paul Weller and just the crowd surging. I wasn't a big lad then. I was probably eight stone, five foot two. 27-inch waist. <laughs> Why? Why? <laughs> yeah, to be in the front. But I had two mates by the side of me, and these people towered above me. And, like, I was being pushed, and I thought I was going to die. That's the closest thing I've ever thought I was going to die at a gig. Honestly, fantastic. I love it. Love it. What was that, March 82, Bingley, right? I was... March 21st, 1982.
0: <laughs> oh, that's the exact date. Brilliant. And at that point, obviously the jam, uh, you know, riding the top of the charts. We yeah. don't y- yet know that nine months later it's come is coming to an end.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, The Gift had just been released two weeks before. He'd be playing all this stuff off The Gift and everyone was singing along to it. And like, it was fantastic to be singing. All these songs with these people who all knew the words. And within two weeks, uh, it was just amazing, really. So, did you get to meet the band at that point as well? I did. That was the first time I got to meet Paul. We got into the sound check, which it was probably. 200 people in there expecting and it is on youtube so you can see me quickly on there there's a girl i met a gig at cannock and she was in there as well so i've seen her since which is unbelievable after the sound check the security were pushing us all out and whatever and i saw a gap and paul weller was coming towards mixed mixing desk and me being a brave 15 year old kid seven stone or whatever <laughs> ran straight through the security up to paul weller and just said hello paul and he said, all right, mate. And that was it. I didn't have a pen on me or anything. And like the next day at school, I was like, I was like famous. Like I was the person who had met Paul Weller. <laughs> I think I was the first person in my town to meet Paul Weller, which is unreal really so uh, yeah <laughs> oh, <laughs> very brilliant. sad but very true <laughs>
0: <laughs> i love that that's so good okay well then obviously when the news comes through that you know front page of the was it melody maker i think the first or record mirror wasn't it maybe uh,
1: well i, I think how did, you, how did you hear the it. news yeah well i was coming back from a outward bounds course in the lake district um I, we'd been there with college and I was on the train. So I, we, I called in at, um, Carnfall's railway station and I saw the news on there. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I hope you can cut this. Bit. And it just said jam split. And I thought, shit. And I went back into the train carriage and all my mates from college were there. And, uh, and they were all taking the piss out of me, crying on the train. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, shame, man. Yeah, this is, yeah. I mean, look what you've done. Look what you're done. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to get so much shit for this again. Oh man! So
0: <laughs> what is it? I mean, that, that connection. I mean, that connection's still there, and that heart, that oh, heartbra- that heartbreak is
1: still there. Unbelievable. Well, when I went to the exhibitions, I went a fair few times. The first time I went to Somerset House, I got on the train. It was my 49th birthday. So it was anniversary again of a jam gig. I burst out into tears on the train, on the tube going there. Then I burst into tears as I walked around the corner. It said the jam above the building. And I, I had to walk across Somerset House Plaza thing in tears. And then I got inside and I was in the first room. The first room was the Bingley Hall room and I was, I was on the video. I burst into tears there and I was, I was in there for an hour and a half just in the first room this was <laughs> just it, sobbing in the corner <laughs> sobbing in the corner honestly I went into the next room and there was this girl and she was crying I said are you alright she said no no one doesn't stand I said oh you do i burst into tears and we were we were having a hug in this one room <laughs> that's not it that's not it it's so, so embarrassing anyway we go into the guitar room I was watching all the videos and whatever and Nikki Weller and then Davis walked in and I stood up. I said, look, I've got to say this, but this is the most emotional room I've ever been in in my life. Burst into tears. And Nikki said, Whatever's wrong? <laughs> I said, you don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Well, I didn't think you'd get me into tears this quick. Man, I, I
0: <laughs> it was really early on, wasn't it? It's almost a trauma, right? Because it's a bit <laughs> like, you know, essentially you've been, it's almost like you've been dumped by a girlfriend that you absolutely love and you're obsessed with. And there's all no right. way whatsoever, right. you, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> there's no way whatsoever you can win her back. It's not in your control at all. Yeah. Paul, Paul's made his decision. The band's coming yeah. to an end. This thing means the absolute world
1: to you, right? Oh, completely. I remember the last Birmingham gig I went to in, in December. I was lucky enough to get backstage after the gig, only because I was babysitting. I was babysitting someone's son who was um, a star at the time. Anyway, that's another story. <laughs> but, um, but I was sat down talking to Paul Weller. I said, do you know what you're going to do yet, Paul, he said, oh, I haven't got a clue yet, as if he was going to tell a 16-year-old kid, like <laughs> give him a world exclusive about what Paul is going to do after the jump.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you've broken me down with your tough questioning. Let me tell you everything. Yeah, exactly.
1: yeah. <laughs> you and your bloody boat in blazer. <laughs> Just go in there, it it um bought it all back. Cause it was like, yeah, it was just like a cleansing, really, going to the exhibition, I think. It was just, yeah, it was unreal. Unreal. I was in tears every time I went, and I went 15 times. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh man. <laughs> <laughs>
1: we need oh, a bye. new box of tissues for Bryson, folks. When I came down to Tufty's um podcast, Sam Molner actually gave me a box of tissues. <laughs> He said, you might need those, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I love the connection
0: and the and the fact that it means so much to, to you and to people. Oh, you know, yeah. It is. Yeah,
1: unbelievable. Unbelievable. And that, that really hasn't left me, really, to be fair. And my mates think I'm pretty sad but it's so ingrained in me. That's the trouble. It is so ingrained in me. I got into scooters. I got into Mod Scene and whatever and still got scooters. I've never really called myself a Mod, but I was a jam fan initially. And But I'm, I've always been Mod influenced sort of thing. So, yeah.
0: And obviously so, that band, it's important for us to talk about, I mean, I know this is the Paul Weller fan podcast, but it is important yeah. for us to talk about the other two. It wasn't just Oops. Paul Weller,
1: right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I don't think it'd be the same without Bruce and Rick, to be fair. And and it wouldn't have been, they were perfect for it. Perfect. I didn't meet Bruce when he was in the jam. I've met him since a few times, but I met Rick and Rick's a lovely bloke. Rick's really nice.
0: So there's a couple of questions I want to ask you about those two, right? So am I right in thinking that you're the guy who asked Rick Buckler why there was no video for Eton Rifles?
1: (laughs) Yeah. He he didn't know there wasn't one. You've done your research, Dan. <laughs> yeah, I went to a um, Q&A at the Two-Tone Museum in Coventry. It was open to question sort of thing. I said, how come there wasn't a video for eating Rifles? He said, there was. I said, no, there wasn't. He said, there was. No, there wasn't. I said, you had a boat in blazer on in one in Top of Pops. You did three tops of Pops all together. He said, I didn't know that. And then he said, um, we've got a proper panorak in the audience. And I was so chuffed. I met him after and he said I'm really sorry for calling you a proper AMRAC I said it made my day
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to get a t-shirt made with it on (laughs) yeah (laughs) and what was the Bruce Foxon thing so on your social media uh, you shared a photo of you
1: with Bruce at Jeremy Vine Jeremy Vine not Jeremy Kyle (laughs) (laughs) I was admin on another jam group and I got invited down to the Jeremy Vine show to be part of the audience it was only 26 of us there there was Keiko there there was Den Davis Dell was there. Rob Lawrence was there. They were just recording a show, really. Um, it was from the jam sort of thing. So Russell was there and Bruce was there and whatever, yeah. That was good. I left here at half past two at night to get there and there for half past six. I was knackered. <laughs> Absolutely knackered. <laughs> Never mind.
0: And what did they do? Was it an interview and a performance or just a chat? Yeah,
1: they, yeah, there was an interview on the panel there for a all the way through the show, sort of thing, and they played Smithers Jones at the end acoustically, almost. So uh, it was good, and it got to meet Bruce and uh, Russ as well, and which was nice. That's how I got invited down to Black Barn as well through KK. So um, because I knew she was going, she said, oh, "I'm off down to the barn this weekend," and I said, "Oh, do you want a lift?" <laughs> clever very clever and a couple of days later she said do you fancy coming down and i said yeah i'd love to i thought she was joking anyway i said make sure it's all right with paul first she said yeah i will i will i left at about half past six in the morning to go down to Woking, down to ripley sorry keiko rang me she said oh are you coming down i said yeah well yeah i will and i was only parked 10 minutes away waiting for this phone call <laughs> and she said well come on down now i said i'm on my way <laughs> so yeah that was brilliant absolutely fantastic so uh oh wow well we'll have to we'll talk more about that in a sec because i want to hear the
0: full story of what happened and and how and all that but um let's talk the style council so it was quite quick in terms of the next iteration of paul's career wasn't it how how did you feel about them
1: it was only a couple of months i loved it i loved it it was again there was another um connection because malvern hills is only down the road from me so i found out that they were filming this video in Mulvern, so i turned up on my scooter a little 50 cc scooter but i was a day late <laughs> it was snow on the ground i was going 30 mile an hour probably no gloves in those days yeah so i missed that but i love the star council i thought they were fantastic really especially the first singles solid in your art is just unbelievable i think like the video the song everything absolutely perfect. It
0: still amazes me the fact that kind of run of first singles they're not on that first album. Oh exactly what's that all about? I know Could you imagine Ed Sheeran doing that? They bleed the album to death
1: almost yeah. like every yeah, every yeah. song becomes a single doesn't it you know it's yeah. so, we, we so have, different. Exactly when you look at going underground when you're young they're not on, on albums either unbelievable. And that
0: productivity in those first few years of the Style Council the amount of new material you're getting as a fan is remarkable.
1: Oh it was yeah 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 during the Style Council years I'd actually I actually bought my first brand new scooter on the day the jam split up, the end of December. I went off then to do my scooter bit. Stupidly, I only went to see the South Council once, and that was in 1987, because I was off doing scooter rallies and bloody being an idiot really but um, <laughs> that's one of my biggest regrets really not going to see the Star Council more 87 would have been what Cost of Loving period right it was a general election talk so um, cost of Loving and um, Confessions was just about to come out I think so and did
0: you have the blonde highlights like Paul
1: no comment <laughs> you did didn't you <laughs> I did yeah <laughs> I still got on now of course <laughs> they're a little bit grayer. one thing I love
0: about this, your new Facebook group and we'll talk about that in a second but i've always loved like seeing the photos that you share and the memories that you share on social media as a, as a huge super fan was that connection from the beginning of paul's solo career because it means something to me it's like you know that's when i discovered paul and, yeah. it, and it
1: connects with me yeah. as well
0: and you were there right like, really early on with those early solo gigs weren't you yeah
1: i, I well i went to coventry first which was uh, november 1990. Um, that was my first solo gig there wasn't that many people there I always think there was more because I was on the barrier obviously so I always thought there was more but I loved it I absolutely loved it and I thought i got to get some more tickets so then I bought tickets for Cardiff and I bought tickets for London as well so I organised a minibus trip down to Cardiff and then me and one of my mates went down to London as well we met in twice in three days, like so, which was fantastic. Carrying his ironing board into the gig. How cool is that? (laughs) (laughs) Brilliant. (laughs) With the photos, I was just lucky enough to take a camera Um, and sneaked it in. I managed to take, I don't know, 40 photos of, at Coventry. It was the old-style camera with a film and whatever, so I didn't know what I was taking. But luckily, some of them came out to write. And then I got it in the Cardiff and in London as well, so I got some decent photos, really.
0: It's fair to say, I mean, this when you watch footage of those bits now and clips of around that time, I mean, A, he looks so bloody cool. I love that look at that time. Oh, yeah. But yeah. they sound brilliant, don't they? The Paul Weller movement and yeah. his first few years of live just sound... I mean, they've always sounded great, but that period, I thought they sounded so funky.
1: Oh, they did, yeah. Well, the, he, he did precious for first time which just uh, blew my mind really again but yeah just weird precious again was unbelievable and he did I think he did Tales from the River bank pick or Alfie as well on that tour and then he did a, it's a very deep sea and whatever on the piano and I remember some bloke in London shouting bring back Mick Tolbert
0: um, <laughs> uh, also the really exciting thing is he's suddenly he started to break new songs and it's yeah. that point at yeah. which you know, he's, and Tufty talks about this, that, that kind of period when it was, I mean, it's pretty low, as those as, you know, as low, you can get oh, yeah, in terms yeah. of, like you say, not many people in those crowds and those very early gigs, right? But actually yeah. what you're getting to hear is songs like, you know, Cosmos and, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, Remember How We Started and then Into Tomorrow and so, suddenly Into he's
1: rebuilding Tomorrow, yeah. stuff. I mean, God, be that was awesome. so exciting. Oh, When I first heard Into Tomorrow, I thought, this is it now. This is going to kick off. And just those first few notes on the guitar, unbelievable. Funnily enough, the live bits in the video were in Guildford. I think it was Max Beasley's 18th birthday that night. I have got some photos of, of that night as well <laughs> somewhere. It was brilliant. Yeah, Into Tomorrow was fantastic Like, and just seeing it on the telly again as well. So seeing the video and yeah, brilliant. From that time, what would be your favourite gig of yours to pick one? Oh, um, Subterranean, June 92. Well, I got on the guest list for a start, which was nice. I met Paul as he was coming in. I was with a lovely woman called um, Dawn Phillips at the time, just chatting to her outside the gig and whatever. And Dawn passed away last year, and she was lovely. Uh, I was talking to her outside. I said, How oh, many times have you seen Paul Weller as you do? She said, I don't know, a couple of hundred. And I was thinking, and I'd only been to about 30 gigs at the time, and I was thinking, this is big time. (laughs) (laughs) She had a broken wrist at the time, and she had a cast on her wrist. Paul Weller came up to us and said hello and whatever. Paul said to Dawn, he said, "Uh, do you want me to sign your cast? She said, no, it's all right. Well, you can do it later. And I was... I looked at her, I thought, what's this? <laughs> and he did. I know our friend Helen has still got the cast. Oh, Yeah, it's fantastic. But, yeah, <laughs> Dawn was a lovely woman. I met Dawn a lot of times at uh, gigs And Helen. Subterranean was fantastic. It was a little tiny place. We got in fairly early. It'd been about six o'clock. Walked into the gig and John and Paul were at the bar. So I, I said hello and whatever and bought him a drink, which I thought was very nice of me. Paul Weller had rum and coke. So we were chatting and whatever. And anyway. The gig was fantastic. It was such a hot place. It was in the middle of, middle of June, like I say. I had shorts and a t-shirt on and I was sweating like a pig. The stage, we, our knees were touching the stage. The stage was only like two foot high at the very most. So if you lent, put your hand out, which I didn't, must add, you could have touched it. I got some photos from that one as well. And. The sweat on him is unbelievable because he took his shirt off for the encore. Oh, he's, uh, topless, that, he's that,
0: topless. All right. He
1: was, to, was topless. Yeah, just a fantastic gig. Uh, it is still my favorite gig of all time.
0: I've got the set list here for that gig. So I've just look at what we're talking okay. right? So let's go yeah. through it. So
1: he kicks off with Wildwood. Which was played on the electric guitar. I'd been to, was it three or four gigs that week? <laughs> um, Not that tour, that week. <laughs> well, there was only four gigs in the tour. Okay. <laughs> they were they were all London uh, gigs. He came on and did what uh, I electric, on the electric guitar, which is, uh, he played it in the I Mean Fiddler, the, theater, the couple of nights before as well. And that was the very first time I had heard Wildwood and that was 1982 and that didn't come out till 94. So unbelievable. Brilliant. Yep. Yeah, so
0: we're into that. Then The Weaver. Then we yeah. have The Cost yeah. of Loving, the Style Council song. All yeah. yeah. Rush, which goes
1: into Magic oh. Bus by The Who. Oh, that is fantastic song life. I wish he could do that once more, honestly. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah.
0: I, I would love to hear that. Arrival Time which was, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know, that there was a, there was a B-side at one point. Wasn't it, it? Was a, it was a B-side, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what else we got? Ohio, Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young cover there. Yeah, uh, yeah. Above the Clouds, oh my God, that is one of my
1: all-time favourites. I love Above the Clouds. That's in my funeral list, so. Okay. <laughs> Good to know. <laughs> yeah, well, sing along.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, then we're into a couple of jam songs. Man in the Corner Shop, Tales from the Riverbank. Then we've yeah. got, um, again, yeah, we're talking, because 92, we're talking like some of the B-sides. that so all year round, Ends yeah, of the Earth, yeah. The Loved, which is, again, yeah, one of my all-time yeah. favourite songs. Piccadilly Trail, The Star Council, Long Hot Summer, Star Council song, obviously. Into Tomorrow, Bitterness Rising. Again, oh, I, I mean, he, uh, that is a great Bitterness, thing.
1: Bitterness Rising. I just love putting that on the Jam Society sometimes. <laughs> when when they're all having to go up Paul Weller, I just put Bitterness Rising. And uh, yeah, just a little quote off that. And I think, yeah, there you go.
0: <laughs> this is the Facebook. I don't think I'm on that Facebook group anymore. I think they, they. Yeah. I think they deleted
1: me. I'm amazed I haven't been kicked off that one, to be <laughs> fair.
0: <laughs> now, we should talk about the Facebook groups because you've started your own now, Absolute Beginners, The Jam and Beyond. Already, we've got hundreds of members of this. So there are so many communities on Facebook. It must be amazing to have like these channels, these social media where you can share memories and stories with fellow fans. Well,
1: I was fairly late to the game with Facebook, really. I've only been on it, I don't know, seven years or so. So I didn't know what it was all about. I thought it was just a load of bloody... Kids chatting to each other or whatever, but it's for old blokes, apparently. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I missed the first, um, wake up, woken and stuff like that because I wasn't on Facebook and the first, um, solid bond in your art down at the Woken Football Club with Tufty and whatever. So I'm glad I'm on it. And and like like you say, I've started my own now. So um, yeah, it's going all right. We could always do with more, damn. (laughs) We'll
0: we'll, (laughs) we'll put the link in the show notes so people know that they can go Ah, there. there. A nice, safe environment where you can all cry together about your memories. (laughs) Um, What was the
1: story you said you were going to come back to? You said you were going to come back to that, you said. Yeah, those, those gigs at London, I couldn't get a ticket for love nor money. I rang up. Ticketmaster. master. I said, I'm after one ticket, see Paul Weller at the Mean Fiddler. He said, oh, you're lucky. I've got one left. Tickets were 10 quid at that time, which was still a fair bit of money, really, I suppose, in those days, because you're talking 30 years ago now. But anyway, I rang up. They said, we got one ticket. You can have it, but it's going to cost you 100 quid. And I said, 100 quid? And he said, yeah, well, if you're not willing to pay it, you're not going And put the phone down on me. <laughs> and, I, and I thought, well, I was going to pay it. But like, this like,
0: is an actual legit ticket agency
1: as well. It's not like, yeah. it's not like you're ringing Facebook Marketplace. <laughs> well, I'm pretty sure it's Ticketmaster, but this is a very early days of Ticketmaster. So luckily, what I did was I went down to the gig beforehand. So I, I was there at like half past two or whatever. And I met Paul Weller outside the gig, and, and one one of the blokes off another Facebook group called Andrew Davis, he met me there and he said, Why didn't you ask Paul if you could get in, in on the guest list? So I did, thinking, oh, I'll never do this. He said, Yeah, yeah, that's fine. I have a word with dad. So I had a word with John. He got me on the guest list. And I said, Can I be cheeky and ask me? added to all of the gigs he said yeah no problem <laughs> that's John he was brilliant but funny enough this Andrew Davis took a photo of me talking to John just after I'd spoken to Paul Weller he put it on Facebook a couple of years ago and it's one where Paul Weller's got like his emo Phillips hair which is, and glasses and he looks so cool outside the midden fiddler I had to look at this photo for about 10 minutes and think is that me in the background <laughs> and it was because I don't see myself from the side profile do I <laughs> yeah so I got to see all all those gigs for free that's
0: incredible one other thing i love that you shared on your channel as well was the and i and i have to be honest i've always been a fan of the tour t-shirt and i used to love the match day programs as well fabulous you know the tour the tour programs, brilliant but you've got a t-shirt from every single tour right since those since those ones in 91 92
1: i've got a t-shirt well at least one t-shirt from each tour from 1990 yeah some of them because they were different t-shirts i bought three four five t-shirts in a tour yeah so i got yeah i got a lot of t-shirts really but i found a load in the attic the other other week all kept in pristine condition they could do with an iron i must admit but (laughs) yeah but i'm I'm thinking about Putting them in frames and having them up on
0: the wall, sort of thing. So, yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. Oh, God. Well, mm. I'll tell you what, when there's another exhibition, because there will be a Paul Weller solo one, you'd have thought, surely, at
1: some point. Well, I hope so. You're it, the guy to come a... to, right? I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I might even do it at my
0: own. Uh, now, let's talk about uh, more recent years. So, um, yeah. you mentioned about the visit to Black Barn. Paul's career over the past 30 years is obviously, you know, he's released gem after gem after gem of albums. But the last few years, the, you know, critically acclaimed once again, number one albums. Once again On Sunset Is a really special album Was this the trip With
1: Keiko? It was yeah This was on a Thursday It was So we went down there Keiko was already In the studio And he, she was chatting To Paul As I walked in Through the door He was tucked Behind the jukebox And anyway, I was stood there Trying to look cool As you do But panicked Underneath honestly He got up And he said Oh hello Shane How are you? And I thought Shit He knows my name <laughs> I don't know Whether it was Some injunctions Or what but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Did he didn't Serve but, you the papers? yeah (laughs) yeah that was incredible really and it was almost like he was sussing me out as if i was an idiot or not i don't know whether i passed the test but within i don't know five minutes or so he was showing me pictures of his kids on his phone and his scooter he was picking up that weekend and stuff we were chatting about passing his bike test and stuff which he hadn't taken at the time so i was giving him advice on that we were just chatting about everything and not just music but clothes we were even talking about e-numbers in food and stuff like that me fat old shame i tell you (laughs) it was incredible and i'm like i spent probably four hours there i think and it was the day after they'd finished mixing some of on sunset because stone foundation brass section were down there the night before doing their bit he actually asked us do we want to listen to some of the new tracks and i was like do i yeah he was asking me, for God's sake. <laughs> so he played, um, what did he play? He played Old Father Time. He played Moore and Walking. And there was one, no, he played Moore twice. And more was unbelievable. It's the best sounding studio or, or music place I've ever been to in my life. And he doesn't play quietly either. It was fantastic. And I was sat opposite him. I sat on his sofa and he was sat behind the mixing desk. I was watching his face as he was listening back to more. And it was so intense just listening. He said, well, what do you think? and I said yeah it's all right Paul, but it, the brass could be a bit more up in the mix yeah I thought that he said and went and wrote it down on the mixing desk I didn't even get a mention on the album <laughs> <laughs> it, was fan- yeah, it was fantastic just watching him in, in the studio and just listening to his stories and stuff like that I had to ask if I could have a look around the studio and eat, yeah carry on and take some photos and whatever but he took a photo of me stood by his jukebox because I said do you mind if I take a photo of the jukebox he said well, I'll take a photo of you, Paul Weller, taking a photo of me by his jukebox, and I forgot to get a selfie, didn't I? Anyway, the first time he took the photo, he said, uh, "Oh, we didn't get Curtis in, so we had to take it again just to get Curtis Mayfield in in the background." <laughs> yeah,
0: <That's> unbelievable,
1: isn't it? God, for me, honestly, I, I couldn't believe it. I've been following him for a long time, and not many people get to the studio, which is lovely. Really, it meant a lot to me. To be fair. And then, hmm. and then he said, um, should we go for a cup of coffee down the cafe? Shall we? Yeah. So we jumped into his Mini. He went and got his Mini. Keiko was in, sat in the front and Paul was driving. I was sat between Charles Reese and um, Tom Van Heel in the back of his Mini thinking, what am I doing here? <laughs> <laughs> Going down to the local cafe with Paul Weller. So I managed to catch a photo of Keiko and Paul as they were driving. And that just remains my favorite picture of all time. And I'm not even in it. But it's it's just a reflection of Paul in the in the mirror and stuff like that which he did use for our sunset video which I won't mention but <laughs> <laughs>
0: inspired by yeah that is incredible yeah. isn't it God
1: yeah it was fantastic yeah
0: now look there's a couple of other things we should talk about as well because I know you've got stories around these. so um Paul Weller TV appearance is always a special thing right later with Jaws Holland is is one of those shows that Paul does regularly oh, yeah. um, so tell me yeah, about yeah. this what, what happened to this so You presumably you went along but
1: I did go along it was the very first Paul Weller special in 96 I managed to go ticket from a, a lad called um sash patel i was there with my wife at the time and she she was pregnant with my first kid as well stevie again people think that i they were surprised i didn't call my kid paul that's his middle name but <laughs> 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 so she was pregnant at the time with stevie and so he was there as well so that was his first gig really so that was fantastic that was recorded on a saturday uh sunday afternoon almost done in one take as well which was Unbelievable, really, and there was Noel Gallagher there. Who else was there? Rico, actor specials. David Seaman was there in the crowd. Kathy Lloyd, the page three girl, just happened to stare at me. I, I said, but no one believes me. But um, <laughs> yeah, so that, that was fantastic, and that was that was. Fantastic way of spending a Sunday afternoon, I think. But yeah. Yeah. God, wow. What was that special
0: for Heavy Soul, was it, or for Sandy Road?
1: Uh, it was 96. So what was that? Um, it was before Heavy Soul. Yeah, it would have been the Sandy Road yeah. special, right? Was, yeah, Stanley Road. Yeah, it was Stanley Road, I think. Yeah. So um, yeah, that was 95. So it was just after Stanley Road. Yeah. So that was the very first special. I think it was the very first. Hour-long show that Jules Olland did, and it was Paul Weller, and he's obviously done it a couple of times now. But yeah. but it was only the one.
0: And then in the career since, in recent years, I mean, you go to everything like you say. So so we've had all the yeah. tours for every album. Are there particular moments that stand out for you on those tours? Are there kind of are there albums or songs that connect from more recent years that so you go, God, that one's so special?
1: I don't think I've ever seen a bad Paul Weller gig. I know I'm slightly biased, but I've loved every single one of them. Standout songs, I, I think, are Weaver into tomorrow. I love it when he does the jam stuff. I can remember the first time he ever did Tank Malice and that blew me away Went on the solo tours. I think he's got the mix just right. So he does load of old stuff, a load of new stuff as well. So hearing more as well, I thought on the last tour was fantastic. So,
0: so at the time of recording, we're midway through... Well, nearly midway through the current tour for Fat Pop and and On Sunset and everything else so, I mean it's remarkable when you look at the setlist I was in Brighton a couple of weeks back it's remarkable the amount of songs he packs in but you go hold on you could do like another five setlists they're completely different different songs and they still be high quality right I know
1: exactly it's, it's incredible really the amount of back catalogue of songs is fantastic isn't it really I'm sure he does it just for him to enjoy it not for the fans that's how it should be really I think I know people whinge that he doesn't play bloody in the city or going underground or whatever but he's got to be happy with it as well not let alone us so, yeah, so
0: you've got to connect with the songs I mean, so, but you think yeah. even in the current tour, there's nothing from true
1: meanings <laughs> you go what oh, no you do wonder sometimes where, where he comes up with this stuff but like oh, what did he play on the last tour i think it was only three songs off on sunset i think which is incredible really because that was number one like i went to the coventry gig last tour in the Oxford gig and he was on stage for like two and three quarter hours at Coventry did 36 songs or something stupid and there was no support he just came on and did it.
0: My bladder would have just been screwed.
1: <laughs> God. Dan the idea is don't ever go for a drink before I don't drink anyway but I don't drink for about three hours before a gig just in case I have to go for a pee. A <laughs>
0: <laughs> couple of other things we should talk about and these are these yeah. are stories I don't know about folks all I know I've got one word or two words right so I'm going to find fire a couple at you. okay? Hamilton Terrace.
1: Yeah, Hamilton Terrace. Well, that's that's in St. John's Wood. It's where Paul Heller used to live. What happened was, me and my mate went to see Paul at the Albert Hall the one night. We weren't staying far away from the Hamilton Terrace. So we said, should we go and try and find his house? This was two o'clock in the morning, in a very posh neighbourhood of London. We were wandering up and down the street, trying to figure out because i'd seen a picture of his house in the newspaper or something so i thought we'll find it won't be a problem anyway two o'clock in the morning the police turn up and they they think we're casing the joint please do stopped us he said uh, what are you doing I uh, we said oh we're, you won't believe this but we're paul weller fans we know paul weller lives in this in this street we just wanted to see where his house was he said, you do know it's two o'clock in the morning. Yeah, I know it's two o'clock in the morning, but we want to see Paul Weller's house. He believed us after a while, and he was saying, well, that house over there is Paul Weller's house. That is Vinnie Jones's house. That's Gary Lineker's house. And he was pointing out all these celebrities. He said, no, I suggest you piss off home. <laughs> <laughs> I love yeah, that. That was quite funny. But I'm not a stalker, Dan.
0: <laughs> <laughs> is, this Paul- is Paul aware of these stories? You might not be able to get back.
1: Into Black Bar. I, I, I can't tell him these stories. Bloody hell.
0: Right, send is another word I've
1: got, which is a place near Woking, right? It is a place near Woking. Hold on, didn't he
0: used to live there as well?
1: Yeah, Vicarage Lane, I think it was called. Anyway you know when I said I'm not a stalker <laughs> we went to a there was a jam jam appreciation day I think it was called or something like this down in Woking I was there and we watched the jam with two M's the tribute band which was one of the first ones and I was stood between Nicky and Ann Weller and Rick Butler watching the jam tribute band which I thought was amazing I know that's a little bit beside but that's why I was in Woking brilliant the, no, brilliant I didn't go down there just for that reason yeah and after the gig again me and the same mate we said should we go and find his house down in Send? So we went down to send, found his house. It had all these big black bars around the around the gates and whatever. Anyways, his uh, yellow pages was on the floor. So my mate pinched to the yellow pages because it said Weller on the front. There was a um, footpath all the way around his house. And like, again, this was about half past one, two o'clock in the morning as well. The music he was playing, because obviously he was in, he was playing a load of ska and reggae at about a million decibels. And we were listening to it as if we were in a bloody gig. Honestly, like you say, I'm not a stalker, Dan.
0: <laughs> Royal Albert Hall we should talk about as well. This is another one, <laughs> video recording.
1: Yeah. Well, again, me and the same mate. <laughs> we- this guy sounds <laughs> trouble. <laughs> yeah. He started it all, I tell you. Yeah, we both took... um sony handicams down to record the gig because we were sat on probably the second level so we were sat about three people apart we both started filming and in those days you had a little red led on the front of the camcorder so i put some blue tack over mine so i was filming the gig and he was filming the gig he got caught with his handicam. they took that off him i carried on filming so i managed to film the whole gig this tour i did the whole uk tour so i was going home recording a load of videos to sell to pay for my tickets for the this, this tour. It was funny because you, you'd start down south and you'd get like a tenner for these videos, and they were good. They were all right. So I was getting about a tenner down south. Further north, you got Newcastle, we were getting a fiver for them. Glasgow, we were getting two quid for them. And I was thinking, well, two quid's better than nothing. I managed to pay for all my gig tickets just by selling videos. <laughs> Yeah, so um, but it, it, I did share it the other day on YouTube, on, on my site, I think, so, um, so it is out, out there on YouTube. And a lad called Tony Johnson came up to me in Rotterdam when I went to see Paul Weller in Rotterdam a couple of years ago, and he said, are you Shane? I said, yeah. He said... I bought a video off you of Paul Weller at the Albert Hall. And I was thinking, "Shetty wants his money back. <laughs> <laughs> He's complaining I, it's not high definition. He he said, well, it was in high definition. That's the trouble. It was in high eight stereo. I said, oh, you can't have your money back. He said, no, I loved it. He said, I just recognised you from back in the day. <laughs> oh, that was so cool. It was brilliant. Yeah, that was funny.
0: I love the idea of just going, do you know what I'm going to do every night of the tour? I'm going to do the whole lot and go through I did five nights in a row of the Royal Albert Hall in 2010 was, yeah. my, was my one yeah.
1: that I did. But i've not done that yet yes. yeah like i'll be able to you know yeah i think it was something like 23 gigs in 30 days like and we did from uh the south coast bournemouth brighton up to like glasgow barrel which was fantastic john campbell's favorite gig as well because he was there as well newcastle city all was incredible as well manchester everywhere in between really I loved yeah. it. It was days before I had kids as well, so it was possible. One
0: thing we should touch on, because you mentioned earlier on, is, is the Wellers and Nikki and yeah. John yeah. and Anne.
1: Yeah, I've met Anne a few times and she's she's one of the loveliest people ever, really, to be fair. And so is Nikki. John was fantastic. John would let you into the gigs. He was the one who opened the doors to get us in Bingley Hall and stuff for the sound check. So, yeah, but Anne's lovely. I went to Liverpool exhibition and it was the very last day I went there. And um, I'll probably cry again now. Um, and um, Nikki said, have you said bye to mum? So I said, no, I haven't. She said, pop into the office and say bye. So I went into the office and I said, oh, hello, Anne, I'm off now. This is my last visit. It was the last day, obviously. But I said, it's my last visit. Um, but I just wanted to say thank you. And she stood up and she said, well, if it wasn't for people like you, we wouldn't be doing this. And like I burst into tears as I am now. With her. Yeah, it was fantastic, and she's she's lovely, honestly. She really is. And didn't you ask but, her what her favourite song
0: is as well? Oh
1: uh, yeah, yeah, that, that was on the Jam Appreciation Day. Her and Nikki had set up a record stall, so she was they were selling stuff like demos and early promos and stuff like that. We were chatting the way to her, and I said, "What's your favourite song?" And she said, "Oh, it's um, all the pebbles on the beach." And Nikki looked around to her, and she said. You know the Paul tells you off to say in that. It's broken stones, Mum. <laughs> oh whatever she said. <laughs> that was funny.
0: Well look, Shane, this has been so special. Hearing your memories, seeing your emotions has been oh, an absolute know. joy, man. Honestly. Well, this summer we've got the um, the next exhibition. So the Jam, the Style Council in Brighton. Cannot wait for this. Absolutely no, no, I... And at the time of release of this podcast, very soon, so if you haven't got your tickets yet, folks, get your tickets. Um you're gonna be down there, I understand. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Um, I have asked for a job. I, I want to be a tour guide if I can get through the tears. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, I have mentioned it to Nikki, and hopefully I can do something down there. I'm really looking forward to it. I want to stay down there the whole month if I can and just um, pop in there every day, I should think. So, come and say hello.
0: Shane, this has been such a delight to spend time with you. Um, as you'll know as I listen to this podcast, there's, um, there's a couple of questions I need to ask you before you go, all right? Oh,
1: I was dreading this bit. Yeah, go on.
0: <laughs> so, you're allowed one Paul Weller song for the rest of your life. It can be The Jam, The Style Council, or solo what are you going to go with
1: I've got to go with When You Young first single first thing I bought it's always been with me really so um, it's going to be played the last song of my funeral as well so uh, just to cheer people up obviously <laughs> not, not that people will be sad I expect but there you go
0: <laughs> oh dear well no it's, uh, it's funny isn't it it's those songs that connect with you and just stay I mean that's what I'm trying to do the maths now that's 43 years is
1: it 43 years yeah yeah, yeah in August Sixteenth. <laughs> Roughly.
0: <laughs> Final question. Purpose of this podcast yeah. is obviously to talk to super fans. It's to talk to people with connections to Paul who have worked with Paul, played music with Paul. Lovely people like yourself, but really, deep down, it's for me to get the interview with Paul Weller that I never managed during my radio career. Um, I'm not sure if you're helping this situation or not, to be honest, with your
1: stalking stories,
0: but we'll see. <laughs> you
1: won't take any attention to me, I'll tell you. If it happens, what should I ask him? I've thought about this, and i it's not so much a question, it's more of a statement in, in the um, about the young idea of, Video, he he said, I don't know whether it ever made a difference letting people into the sound checks, but like it made a complete difference. I think that if I hadn't been left into that sound check, I think my life would have been completely different. Just having that connection with the fans, I think, is incredible. To let people in for a sound check, no one does that. Like Tiffany says, you can't imagine Elton John doing that, can you? Yes, that's more of a statement, really, more than a question. So I don't know if that answers it for you.
0: I like the idea. I mean, the thing is, I I think it's a great, because the thing is, obviously, as
1: a 13-year-old kid, you can't necessarily afford the gig, right? I had my first ticket off my dad for my 15th birthday it was uh four quid i think and that was a lot of money my dad didn't have a job at the time living in a council estate and stuff like that so it was a lot of money for us really to be fair my first job i was only earning 25 quid a week on a yacht scheme or whatever so it was a fair chunk of money and we never had a car i had this ticket for stafford and i didn't have a clue how i was going to get there i didn't even know where stafford was <laughs> it was just because it was on my birthday that's why i wanted it <laughs> but yeah i was thinking because yeah. like,
0: uh, obviously they don't do that now it's not like a Weller solo gig folks you can't turn up and get into the sound check as far as i'm aware i was thinking how cool that would be because it, it's kind of i mean one thing that's great about the solo gigs now is you do see people of all ages so it's not just it's not just old gits like you and i my friend yeah 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 but, yeah know, yeah um, but actually you go, if there was a sound check in the afternoon and like 13 year old kids could go
1: along, they might discover just, Paul's work music more, you know? It, exactly. Yeah, it, it was a fantastic idea, honestly, just letting those kids in. But it, it was like your own private gig. When I went in, I didn't know about sound checks at the time. I thought, what the hell is this all about? Like, do they know that we're here sort of thing? And we're all running in and, and like I'm thinking, shit, we're at a jam gig before a jam gig. That was incredible. But you just imagine doing that now like you say getting people's interest from kids and stuff like that isn't it? like a matinee show yeah not that it's not that it's come to that yet surely <laughs>
0: <laughs> well for me soon it might need to be you know <laughs> yeah hey man this has been so great enjoy the gig tonight i know you will and and tomorrow yeah. night and the next yeah, time
1: tomorrow and yeah.
0: next week and
1: the week after yeah <laughs> no, no i've really enjoyed it yeah i've loved it thank you for asking me for a start i'm only a fan
0: my thanks once again to Shane Juice and a real joy to hear his stories on the podcast. And make sure you head to my website. All the show notes, loads of pictures and information from Shane on there is PaulwellerfanPodcast.com. And if you enjoyed listening, there are various ways to show your support. Number one, you can buy me a virtual coffee or get some of our new exclusive official merchandise on my website, Paulwellerfanpodcast.com. Number two, you can get your tickets for the live podcast we have coming up, Halifax, as part of Paul Weller Day on July 3rd when he plays the Peace Hall, plus the big exhibition in Brighton, This Is The Modern World. Details on my website. Number three, you can share a link to this podcast on your social media channels. It really does help to spread the word. Put it into the jam. Starkels on Paul Weller forums as well. Get in touch on social media, on Twitter, at WellerFanPod, or on Instagram and Facebook. Paul Weller Fan Podcast. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next time. Cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com.